Chapter 34 of The Goddess of Atvatabar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. Leone's Confession. The following day I again met with the goddess in the same magnificent apartment in her palace. She was in a contemplative mood. A white robe of the finest silk enveloped her, showing to full advantage her superb figure. Her silky shadowed eyes shone with a mild translucent light. The ripe beauty of her face was somewhat pale, for some tearful memory possessed her. Over her shoulders fell the torrent of her hair, while on her brow gleamed a diminutive diadem, whose central part was fashioned like the throne of the gods. She wore a heavy necklace of shrimp pink pearls. As we reposed on wide luxurious couches, a maiden of rare beauty brought us dishes of curiously prepared meats and wine of the finest vintage in flagons of gold. From distant cloisters came the wafted echoes of singing priestesses, breathing their intoxicating amens. Leone had been reciting her past soul experiences, now and then pausing as the story would grow more sacred. To me the revelations of the goddess were of breathless interest. I dare not urge her too forcibly, fearing to break the spell of her confessional mood. She was pleased to say that my advent in Egyplosis had revived the past as no other event of late times had done. She was willing to recall the sweet experiences of her early life prior to her elevation to the throne of goddess. I knew that she was in that mood when confession to a kindred soul is most consoling to the heart. I urged her to continue the story. Well, she continued, my parents, who were people of importance in Kalnagur, had destined me for marriage in the outer world. But before I even knew of Egyplosis, I had a daydream. I saw with my waking eyes this temple palace as one might see it in a picture, splendid as the reality. I saw myself with a youth of noble aspect standing in a court of the garden, and his arms around me. He was tall and shapely as a palm tree, and was all tenderness and devotion. The picture vanished, yet its influence remained. It utterly transformed me from the undreaming girl that I was to a soul active and ardent, already experienced in what life really was. I learned that the mystery of life was love, and longed for spiritual companionship with an inmate of Egyplosis. Was the dream fulfilled as you expected it would be? I inquired. Exactly as I anticipated, said Leone. I entered Egyplosis in spite of the earnest desire of my people to remain in the outer world and lead a life of barren conventionality. Had you not learned, I inquired, that it was impossible to overleap the purposes of nature without paying a penalty therefore, that ideal passion will in time give way to the commonplace just as water follows the laws of gravity? I knew nothing but that ideal love might be eternal. It is the passion that makes a goddess human and the mortal divine. Within a month after entering the temple walls, I discovered the very reality of the image I had seen years before. He was my twin soul, my lover, my god. At our first meeting, we simultaneously burst into tears. It was an ecstasy in which the body did not participate to any marked extent, but belonged purely to the region of the soul. We accepted the vows made at the installation of a twin soul and became a completed circle. Being the goddess, I said, your lover must have died? He died some years ago, she said, and on his death, by reason of my widowhood, my gifts, my spirituality, my love and my beauty, I was elevated to the throne of the gods when vacant, and was worshipped as supreme goddess of the faith. It is utterly against our laws for a goddess to choose another counterpart. She is supposed to belong only to Harakar, the ideal soul whom she so symbolises. Hence I am obliged to dwell largely alone. 
You doubtless regret the loss of your earthly counterpart, I urged. Regret it? Ah, that was life, she said, for my soul then knew what spiritual freedom means. I experienced ecstatic agonies. Bliss was pain and pain paradise. I flew as a bird full of anguish, bearing treasures of love and tears. I desired self-sacrifice. I wanted to smile on everyone, to help everyone. I loved life. I had no fear of death. My capacity for rapture seemed to expand continually. Every scene I gazed upon trembled in a new blaze of delight. Thoughts, like lightning, rent open new worlds of passion and tenderness, wherein I moved as a goddess, peerless and supreme. But when the tomb closed upon my heart of hearts, I begged them to lay me by his side and seal the door on us forever. The glory of life had departed, and day after day I swooned upon the sarcophagus that held my treasure, my life. Leone was unusually excited, and to divert her attention from the past, I spoke of the present, of her proud position as supreme goddess of Atvatbar. How does it affect you, I exclaimed, to be the recipient of such adoration as you receive as goddess? At first it was soul-maddening, she replied. I thought I should never be able to sustain such adoration. My soul, blinded and bewildered by the incense of song and prayer, seemed unable to bear the intoxication. Even yet, as I sit upon the throne of the gods, fantastic, astonishing emotions thrill me into swooning away. Oh, it is incomparably glorious to hear around you those earthquake surges of prayer, to see souls quivering with adoring love. I feel at times as though I were the cone of a volcano radiating fire and flame into a burning sky. Then again I smile, and feel as I smile that I have the power over life and death. Oh, you do not know what love is. You do not know its tremendous power until you feel its splendid flame breathe from ten thousand souls clasping your shrieking soul in a blood-crimson embrace. If thoughts be things, it makes me a creator. If thoughts can chisel matter, then I am gracious in face and figure. Men say my flesh is smooth as marble, soft as velvet and bright as gold, even as the forms of our priests and priestesses are sculptured and coloured by the thoughts of love. Only a goddess knows such thoughts as hers that burn in the soul like fluid gold. Imagination fills me at times with vast and phantasmal splendours. Adoration glorifies me like light raining upon the palms and palaces. I see shapes of burning sweetness, and the air around me is laden with the caresses of heavy, strange perfumes. Unclothed raptures, exquisitely soft and tender, surround me, like heaven opening its wings of flame upon the world. Happy voices, ringing in the sensuous arcades of music, fall on my ears, the blown spray of immortal friendships. Yet it is not strange that all these delights, violent and glorious as they are, do not wholly satisfy the soul. I continually long for something sweeter yet. It seems the greater the joy, the more enormous the capacity, and no joy completely fills the ever-expanding soul. You think, said I, that even the rapture of a goddess is not wholly adequate to create a feeling of repletion, of satisfaction in a soul such as yours? It is contrary to our laws to think so, yet at times I know I could forgo even the throne of the gods itself for the pure and intimate love of a counterpart soul. You are not so desirous of the human soul in its collective form as you are of individual soul wholly yours, I ventured, shaken with a quivering thrill. The soul ever seeks that which is beyond an individual, said Leone. Having once loved the individual soul, I know what such holy rapture means. What are the difficulties to be surmounted in your quest of a counterpart soul? I inquired with a secret delight. 
the sacrilege of a goddess becoming attached to the individual to the exclusion of all other individuals. The goddess-elect must have been a novitiate and a priestess of Egyplosis, and the survivor of her counterpart's soul. Her experiences as a noble and pure priestess, together with special beauty and popularity, are the conditions for the peerless office of supreme goddess and incarnation of Harakar. By her vows she can never again become the exclusive possession of any one soul. She belongs to Harakar, the universal soul. And what is the punishment for renunciation of your office and attachment to another soul? A shameful death by magnicity for the twin soul. No goddess can resign her office. No goddess can seek a lover and live. Not even an ideal affinity, I asked. Why, even ideal affinities who forget themselves are punished with lifelong imprisonment and their names blotted out of the priesthood as though they were dead, said Leone. Are there many such transgressors of their vows in Egyplosis, I inquired. There are, I believe, some five hundred twin souls at present immured in the dungeons, said Leone. Poor souls, I murmured. Their apostasy was but their reformation. I often think of them, said Leone but I know I can never liberate them except by my own successful apostasy. And yet, when all else is peaceful and happy, or at least appears so, why should I become the leader of an insurrection that would precipitate a hundred times more misery on the nations, to say nothing of the possibility of defeat? I saw that a crisis had come to Leone. A tremendous debate agitated her soul. I forbore treading further on the sacred ground. She, with true delicacy, was striving to hide the intensity of her proud unrest, I felt that in time she would have the courage to take the irrevocable step that led to freedom or death. As I sat devouring every word spoken by Leone, I felt a strange power surrounding me, an emanation of the soul of my beloved friend. I resisted for a long time a sacrilegious desire to fling myself at her feet and clasp her in my arms. I thought of her supreme dignity, her love for her faith and her people, and I knew one cold glance from her eyes would pierce me through and through like a sword. The more I thought of my position at that moment, the more amazed I became at the audacity that led me to ever think of claiming the soul of the goddess as mine, much less my encouragement of an enterprise so desperate as we had already assuredly embarked upon. As I gazed in adoration at the splendid soul before me, the scene through the open windows seemed to grow more ideal. There was a new glory in the gardens around me, a finer flashing of fountains in the sunlight, and a bolder chiselling of palaces and temples. Beyond and above, there wheeled the roof of the world, with its still more prodigious forests and mountains and a wider expanse of gleaming seas. I sprang forward with a cry of joy, falling at the feet of the goddess. I encircled her figure with my arms and held up my face to hers. Her kiss was a blinding whirlwind of flame and tears. Its silence was irresistible entreaty. It dissolved all other interests like fire melting stubborn steel. It was the proclamation of war upon Advatbar. It was the destruction of a unique civilization, with all its appurtenances of hopeless love. It was love defying death. Thenceforward we became like a new and formidable twin soul. End of chapter 34